foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. It's the Katie Says Podcast, where movement geek Danny Hemet, that's me, joins biomechanist Katie Bowman, author of Move Your DNA, for discussions on body mechanics, movement nutrition, natural movement, and how movement can be the solution to modern ailments we all experience. Are you ready yeah. to do a show about the news? Today's show Ooh. is going to be about all of the kind of body health alignment stuff that's been in the news lately. It's crazy. It's like, it we're, is crazy. You're sending me stuff every day. You're like, can you believe it's, what did you say is like the dawning of a new. I felt like we're on the cusp of a revolution. Cusp. Yeah. The cusp yeah. of a revolution. Every day there's like two or three things. It seems like over the last few weeks, like there was a, I think it started out a few weeks ago with the, the headline of Barbie gets to wear flats right. for the first time in 56 years. That's like, that's huge, man. That's a huge shift in thinking. That poor woman. Oh man. Her heels have never even touched the ground. Ever. 56 I mean, and her feet, her heels have never touched the ground. Right. Think of how, how weird her muscles must be like how I, she's got a lot of work to do. <laughs> if she had muscles, do. it would be if really she had bad. Muscles. Yeah. You know, plastic, it might be where it's at. Like you don't even have to worry about mm -mm. muscles and adaptation. Now, if only she would get knees. <laughs> she doesn't have knees. She's got those weird joints. They, I used to, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. did you play with Barbies? I only had two and I just got to confess, I did not like them. They were hand-me-downs. I think one was new, but I immediately always attacked their hair and chopped it off because it just seemed like it would get in the way for them. So <laughs> I had a lot of, um, uh, little, little dolls with, uh, cropped dues. And, you know, sometimes I like 
let my brother light their feet on fire. It was just weird. It was, no, I didn't play with Barbies and it's a good thing. Well, she had uh, interesting knees. She had knees that kind of did this, they would bend a little bit, but it was like cracking your knuckles. So I would like pop her knees in the same way that someone would obsessively crack their own so knuckles. They were, were they were kind of articulated? They or? were kind of articulating. I would oh. love to. Now what I would probably do is cut it open to see how they got it to move a little bit. And you know what? Barbie has changed a lot over the 56 years that she has been around. So I know that there are different, you know, like now Barbie has ankles and articulating an actual hinge at the ankle so that the foot articulates. Oh, really? Yeah. But, and I wonder if there were also Barbies with knees, but like, the, like what does Barbie, I mean, I think Barbie is just about what she's wearing. And it reminds me that my sister used to have a Barbie video game. We got a Commodore 64. Did you oh, have man. <laughs> wow. a Commodore 64 and the smell right on the, the cutting smell. edge? Oh it, my gosh. It was huge. It was huge. But the games, I got Goonies and my sister got Barbie. <laughs> and the Barbie video game was the phone would ring. Hey, Barbie, it's Ken. Would you like to go to fill in the blank? Would you like to go play tennis? Would you like to go swimming pool? Would you like to go to dinner? And I think there might have been a fourth option, but those were the options. And the game was to go get your hair done, to pick out your outfit, and to pick out your shoes. So you had a <sighs> shoe store and a salon, and you would get ready, and then you would have to make it home before the hour was up, um, which went by really fast because if you had to play it for an actual hour, that'd be tedious. But you would go in like she could have different hairstyles, different color hair, different bikinis. I don't even think there was a one piece. You had to pick a bikini. And then to get back and he would cancel on you, something just came up. Would you like to go to this? I'll see you in an hour. And that was the video game. I don't know if she's actually- So it was a, a game that required a lot of skill. I see. It was well in functional. Actually, it, it was kinda, a functional, yes, functional game. and and built you know built some flexibility muscles there, some skill muscles. That's for right. us. Oh my gosh, it got canceled. Well, she didn't have knees, but she could really recover from a canceled date. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so Barbie got ankles, and um, I wrote a blog post about it, which might have been the most popular blog post ever because I took those teeny tiny pictures of whole body barefoot of the cover of the book in Barbie's hands. And that was a lot of fun. Those, those were awesome. That was a great <laughs> blog post. You know, just, just a note on those joints. My brother had GI Joe's and they actually had better joints. They had like mm -hmm. full on ball and socket joints, kind of. I don't know if you ever got to see one of those, but he kind of got a better deal. Well, what about the what about the He-Man dolls? Like, were Two Face, where you could actually just swap your whole face? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, we could just we could do a whole show on our toys of the seventies and eighties. Um, but let's move forward. All right. All this new stuff. What else happened in well, the past couple of weeks? The other big one, big article, big news piece was um, Esther Go Clay, who is a Bay Area kind of alignment specialist. She has really been doing this uh, work about looking at different populations of people and how they move and looking at their rates of back pain and has a whole program for correcting um, your body posture and therefore um, feeling better, I guess, in your body. And she has a great book. Um, I think it's like eight, eight steps to a pain-free back. Yeah. Anyway, she's been around for a really long time and has gained lots of traction, but she they did an NPR piece on her and like the way that the article was written up 
seemed more to be more about the idea of a J-shaped spine. So if you want to go search the article, you'll probably find it by searching J-shaped spine. And um, that went kind of wild. Like that was a big... A lot of people were talking about that in a lot of different professions. Yeah. And, I mean, that yeah. was huge. Yeah, it was good. It was a it was a cool piece. And I, of course, you know, threw my two cents into the article because I, I think that a lot of people were, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you've been asleep. I went for my walk and I come to work at like eight o'clock in the morning is when I open my computer. And then when you see like 70 emails with, I thought you should see this article. You're like, okay, <laughs> this is what I will be. This is this, this will take up the bulk of my day because when, if 70 people actually sent it, that means that there's probably right. 7,000 people who thought they should send it. The, the exchange is usually like around a percent of people who actually act on an idea. So that's what I did. I just uh, sent, put out a little commentary about it. What did, when did you see it? Did you see it after it before or after I posted it? Uh, before. And, and I actually, I listened to NPR one, which is an NPR um, app that you can actually oh. pick the stories you want. And then it kind of gives you stuff about, about what you've been listening to, you know, kind of like Pandora. It's like, Oh, you're interested in health. So you get these, yeah. And I had, I had read her stuff before as well, but it, this was a lot of exposure for that discussion. Yeah. And I think the article, you know, there, you're looking for kind of a, a hook to the article seemed to be less about Esther's work and more about this idea that an S shaped spine, right? So an S shaped spine for, um, to give just a, a brief anatomical picture in your mind would be a slight curve at the cervical spine. So that cervical spine is the top of your spine, you know, close to your head. And then another curve over the thoracic spine between your shoulder blades. And then one more curve going in the opposite direction, right? So these curves are opposing. You have curve in one way, curve in the other way, and then a slight curve in the other way down at your lower back. So the understanding in anatomy in general is that the spine itself sits as an S because that orientation of vertebrae loads the discs when you are upright in a particular way that is, you know, best for the back. So it's kind of this alignment mechanical idea. Of course, the spine doesn't have a particular shape because it's made up of a bunch of smaller pieces. So your spine has many shapes throughout the day, right? Every time you go move around, like, mm -hmm. if, like if you cut your spine out of your back, it does not sit in an S shape, nor does if you cut the spine out of the back of the people who were in. That's actually a really good visual to think about. That, well, about you do, shape. right? Thank right. you. Yeah. No, that's great. It's it's weird, but it's good. Well, it's the same thing with the arch in the foot, right? Like people think mm -hmm. that there's an art, like that there's this, that there is a structure, a structure in your foot that is shaped like an arch that has broken down. And that's not, that's not how it works. The shape of something is the sum total of the behavior of the things. Like you're an active dynamic creature. And so your shape is a moment to moment thing. And so mm -hmm. there is no J shaped spine or S shaped spine as a structure. Although when you look at anatomy books or articles like this, what you're looking at is drawings. You're looking at just drawings of people who are trying to create a model of the spine. And they're like, look, see, this has an S shape. 
And then look at this spine. Here is a J shape. So I think that most people were asking my input from the, is it true that we have a J shaped spine? And I was like, well, no, there is no spinal shape. What they're talking about would be what I assume is the most amount of time, how the bones are positioned relative to each other. So that's one thing. And you, you want me to just read my commentary? I, I, I or do you have yeah, it? Do you please. have it? Can you I read do it? have it. You want, you want me to read it? Okay. I think Here's... it's better if you read it because then it's just a lot of, little tedious if it's my voice and <laughs> my words. <laughs> oh, there's nothing tedious about your voice. Okay. But it, what you said was good. It was good a good way to look at it. It's really easy always to boil these things down with headlines. And so I like in the way that you do, you make us think deeper than what's just on the surface. So I'm sure you've made me smarter. Here is what you said about the J-shaped spine. Uh, Being observed here are bodies, not spines. What's being seen as a J-shaped spine is more of a J-shaped backside with butt muscles included. There are no measures of spines here, but an observation of whole body mass distribution. Do I think improved core and glute mass will decrease back pain? In most cases, I do. Do I think there are positions that when you move through them assist the development of that mass? I do. Do I think that taking your current spine and forcing it into a J-shape is the equivalent of moving in a way that has resulted in a J-shaped backside mass distribution? No, I do not. Still, postural adjustment is a step toward using your body differently when you move, which will result in different mass distribution. And this is stuff you've been talking about for years through alignment matters and move your DNA. I think the takeaway here is don't assume the outcome of a behavior, the shape of the body is more valuable than the behavior that facilitated. Because people would read that, like you read that and you think, oh, I have to hold my spine in this J shape to prevent, you know, to get rid of my back pain or prevent my back pain. And that's not what she's, No. Well, I was just going to say before we go on to the body stuff is the thing that I appreciated most that you just read is that you corrected all of my grammatical errors. (laughs) I can't help it. it. I know. It is so much better. I I listen to a a podcast called Grammar Girl on a regular basis. I mean, how geeked out is that? So I was sorry. You know, I was reading along as you were reading it. I was like, Oh, she just corrected that error. Oh, oh she just corrected that error. It's like second You're nature. You're such a to good you. sport. You're such a good sport. I love it. I'm going to have you just speak on my behalf from now on. It'll just be Katie says featuring Danny Hammett only. I'll just write my answers and then you read them corrected. Hilarious. Uh. But yes, okay. So that was that was the the thing was that, and I think that the article, maybe the headline or the broad gist of the article didn't acknowledge what I just talked about here. But the contents of the article, I think, did. If you read it a few times, you'll see that the mm-hmm. whole of what we're talking about was covered. Mm-hmm. First of all, there, there was no actual measuring of spines. What they're looking at are people who move in a particular way, who um, anecdotally re- you know, have reports of low incidences of back pain. And you're going, well, well, then look at the shape, look at the shape of their spine. It's like a J, not like an S. So the first thing that the article said was that most Americans have an S-shaped spine. And I was like, okay, that, I would disagree with that. I haven't worked with most Americans, but I've worked with a very large population of people who have back pain. And one of the things with back pain, like research as a whole, is that when there are problems with these curves, whether there's, you know, not enough curve 
then that's when ailments tend to arise because of the way that people are moving, not because Mm -hmm. of the curve itself, but because of how you move with the curve, the way that the loads to different parts of your body um, ensue, that that there's like a repetitious kind of breakdown, that there are positions in which you are stronger and positions in which you are weaker, where they've pulled out hunks of spine, you know, everything's reduced, right? Pull out a hunk of spine, compress it and twist it, and they can see the loads because it's just a machine. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're going to add, you know, 10 newtons of force and we're going to squish it and then twist it. And then we're going to add the same amount of force, but we're going to flex a little bit and then smash it and then twist it. And then they can see at what angles the same 10 newtons, you know, does the most damage. And then those become the parameters for, well, then keep your back in this particular curve or whatever, because as you're bending or twisting, this will do the less damage theoretically. Of course, the issue being you're never just smashing and twisting a spine. You have a particular amount of muscle that's resisting all of that. So like that's the issue, I think, with right. with ergonomics or or looking for positions that are better or worse from you is that they're usually some sort of reduced tissue. I mean, it's as close as you're going to get, right? It's, just, it's, it's, the, it's the way that it has to be done, but you don't necessarily want to take it as you know, gospel or assign words to it, like the truth, because it is a reduced model. So anyway, when I look at the pictures of, or at, you know, at depths of research in people who have a particular lifestyle and their, and their anthropometric dimensions, which is a fancy word for the lengths and, and girth of their different shape, whether you're measuring their bones, or in this case, you're just looking at a body, you're looking at the body and you go, see, there's not really an S here. It's like it's straight down and then swoops off the back. And it's uh-huh. like, okay, well, the bottom of the J is created by how much butt mass you have. That is not a spinal curve. You're, you know, if you're looking at someone who's got a nice set of glutes. The like st- me. Of, no, like, just yes. When I look at Danny and I'm like, look at that J-shaped spine. Uh-huh. Uh, so how the song would just not be as good as like, I got J-spine. I know. <laughs> Man, we're like stuck in the 90s. Like, we're, like this was like a, this was a retro show is what this is. I think they all are actually. You know. <laughs> just to be honest. We're living in the other. past. I know. Didn't you bring up Walkman's a while back? Maybe, maybe when you focus a lot on the mass behind you, you just look back metaphorically, physically, all of it. That is beautiful. Thank you. That was the best thing I've heard all day. As is your J-shaped spine. Thank you. But anyway, so when you're looking at, you can't compare. Well, you can, but you'll there's 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 difficulties that arise when you're going to compare an an S-shaped theoretical spine outside of a body and a J-shaped one. I would I would wager that if you were to actually take clinical measurements comparing spinal curvature, that there's not um, a vast difference in spinal curvature as much as there is a difference in mass distribution, meaning that the people who have less back pain the people that they're looking at who have, you know, the so-called J-shaped spine mm-hmm. just have such a, a nice, well-balanced distribution of mass around their core and backside that creates a particular look, you know, quote, to the spine. That's one of my bigger issues. And you know, you've taken my courses about that measure 
that we've gotten really lax about measures. Right. So spinal curve is one of those weird things. You can do, you know, a quote unquote clinical measurement of someone's spinal curvature, but all you're really doing is just setting a line upon someone's back. Like if I have, um, I use a flexi curve. Flexi curves are in, in research is what is the easiest way to take a spinal measure in a community screening kind of way. You know, you're not looking at a side view of um, an x-ray. So is it something you place along? It is. Well, here's here's a funny story. When I was doing my uh, graduate research, I was looking at ways to reduce symptoms of pelvic floor disorder was my thesis project through um, different corrective exercises. So I took measures of spines before and after because spinal curvature, there's a particular spinal curvature that is itself a particular risk factor. So I wanted to see, can we change, you know, spinal curvature? So I was reading all the literature when you're, when you're doing a research project, even the methods that you use, like I'm going to use this flexi curve measure has to be tested, is hopefully tested by someone else. Like you can't use a a method that hasn't been established to have a particular validity. So okay, that makes sense. Yes, right. Oh, and if it doesn't, then the research you could do would be just te- testing the reliability of a measure. That itself is a piece of research that is assembled into other research moving forward. So I had found, because I needed a way, an inexpensive way to um, measure the spines of 50 people. You know, So people are like, why don't you use things like extra, you know, things that have a higher value or um, accuracy. It's like, because those things are expensive and we can't pay $700 for everyone, you know, to get two x-rays and then, you know, an x-ray lying down doesn't really show you very much about upper. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So I found this, I had picked out my tool as a flexi curve, but I could not find one. So it's like, I'm searching the internet for flexi curves. Where is the flexi curve? It's some tool, you know, I'm, I'm emailing, the researchers who did it, like, where did you get this flexi curve? And no one's emailing me back. And it's time for my study to start. Only to find out, talking to a client at the time, and the guy's like, I think that they just mean it's a flexible ruler. It's a ruler. Oh my gosh. That he's like, you can go get it at Home Depot. I think they're like 10 bucks. And I was like, oh, here I am thinking that it's some sort of like technical thing because, you know, because of jargon, you know, they right. have to write all of these research articles so jargon heavy that you can't even recognize or they don't even add a picture that what they're describing is simply a flexible ruler from Office Depot for 10 bucks. Well, flexi curve sounds so much more authoritative it, than flexible it, it does. ruler. It does. It's a flexible it's a, I almost added a curse word right there. It's, it's a, fle- it's an effing ruler, meaning flexible. It's a flexible ruler. And uh, yeah, and it's awesome. Did you, did you find, you found out in time, right? I did. I mean, and I, oh, I mean, I, I went and bought one that day. I actually bought three. I always have one on hand because it's the easiest way to show how I could trace a curve on your spine or on my spine. I can just, you just lay it along someone's back. And then um, it's kind of articulated like Barbie's knees. It's actually. it's not. It's got a long. It's better than Barbie's. Yeah, knees. but it's but it's like one long knee. Like because I have one yes. too. I went, yes. went out and got my flexi curve, 
And when you saw my flexi curve, yes, I was like, I need one. Where, where will I find one of those? Um, um, from the, it's like, I remember when, when I was in a, an undergrad, we had to measure lab. body fat. We had to measure body fat in it, an undergrad. And there was like this tool, you know, it's just a, a caliper. And I was like, they should call it a, and it was called fat meter was the name of it. I'm like, no, this is a photometer. I was going to say. Yes. The photometer, fat meter was the name of it, was the brand name. (laughs) So I just started calling it a photometer, much to Mm -hmm. everyone's delight. Get the photometer and the flexi roller and call it your tool bag. (laughs) Anyway, what an article, a research article that I'm actually working on now is to show how this is a podcast that would do really well with a video companion and some brief lessons on on surf on area but anyway a long story short it's very easy for you to by standing change your spinal curvature to look like an s or to look like a j but it's not the spinal curvature that's really of importance when it comes to loads or I shouldn't say it's not only the mm. curve, the S curve. When you're when we're considering an S curve, what makes the S curve of value is that the vertebrae sit in a particular way in this S curve. The S curve, you notice, we use S curve and J curve because it's impossible to actually put numerical values on a curve because everyone has a different set of anthropometric dimensions. So you can't say that a spine should have a certain amount of degrees because the taller you are or the smaller you are, those degrees would, like your spine is not a single uh, set of angles that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you get bigger. The curves are offsetting what's happening in your whole entire body. So your spinal curvature as an adult is not the same spinal curvature that you have as a as a younger person because your segment weights are different. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a relative neutral for everyone, but not an absolute neutral for everyone numerically. So that's why we use things like S-shaped spine. What we really mean is that there is a neutral to your spine in which all of the vertebrae themselves are in a neutral position. Um, but I can make an S. I could get the flexi curve on my back to get an S or a J or whatever um, by changing the position of my vertebrae relative to each other and could achieve a J measure or an S measure, but not have a neutral, healthy spine in either case. <laughs> I really wanted to to bring home this deer spine. I found a whole entire deer skeleton when I was hiking a couple of weeks ago. And totally like to- intact. And- intact, laying wow. in the woods. Well, I was I had hiked off the trail and down by a river and there on a bed of moss next to the river was a <sighs> whole entire spine and rib cage of oh. a deer that was had had sat on its side and wow. where none of the bones had even I was like for a moment, I panicked that there it was a human spine because it wasn't, there was no head, there was no legs, and it was, I was like, it's decomposed. It was perfectly decomposed, leaving just the bone. I mean, it was, it was gorgeous, but it's really hard um, to teach. You know, I'm talking right now and trying to talk about relative 
vertebral positions. But what I would have liked to do after I brought this skeleton home would be to show you how I can get an S-shaped curve, but how that S-shaped curve would not imply that the vertebrae were doing any particular thing, that it's very easy to get a range of S-shaped curves, and I imagine a range of J-shaped curves that would allow the vertebrae to be doing something different, meaning that you can have vertebrae that are twisted or Mm -hmm. thrusted or flexed, but that you can do different combinations of vertebrae position and get this shape that you want. And so that in itself is of interest to me, the measures of spinal curvature. That was a really long sidebar. I mean, are we still even talking about what's in the news? Absolutely. Did you? And so you didn't bring it home. I didn't. And I regret, I regret it, but it was just one of those things where I, I didn't know I should have packed it out. I'm kicking myself right now. Dang it. Well, can you go back? I could, but would it still be there? Well, I imagine. I, and I have one other question. Since there was no legs nor head, how did you know that it was deer? It took I'm me. Impressed. Well, it, you know what? I, it, it, I've seen. It took I mean, me, I'm assuming the rib cage was a lot, lo, you know, like. It's not. Rib, I, I have a picture of it. I should send you okay. a picture of it. Yes, please. I think I might have actually put it on, on uh, the Align and Well Facebook page when I, I took a picture of it. And I took a little video of it because first I was like, crime scene video. And, it, you know, and then I was like, okay, no way. Hold on. Quick, hold on. Quick, grab the photometer. Oh, yes. my gosh. <laughs> I whipped out my flexi curve from my backpack because I am that big of a nerd. And um, (laughs) yes, there was no fat on it. The photometer showed zero because there was no. um, But it's important to test. So it's a good thing you did. It is. Well, you have to you have to be logical about these things. Mm -hmm. Um, You are a great scientist. You really are. The cervical vertebrae, they they're a little bit um, heavier. I just it just took me a couple minutes before I recognized what it is because I've seen deer skeletons before of different sizes. I mean, this was a big one. Something else that I was thinking too, I wasn't thinking it. I was talking with someone else. A lot of people like to go out and kill deer for the fun of killing it, but they don't actually pack it out. Really? Yes. Who does that? People here in the woods. Yeah, it happens a lot. So in our, our forest rules are you can kill it, but you have to pack it the entire thing out. You know, within you can leave the guts and stuff, but I, I think it was just one of those things. Like maybe someone had a gun and was just shooting. I, I don't know because it was big. It was big. Maybe they cut the head off because there was no other. Maybe they just took you know the antlers. Oh, just for the trophy of the antlers. Yeah, so. and then left the spine there. The spine, which in itself was a trophy. You know what? I think I'm going to probably have to go back out there and see if I can get it. Yeah, man, it's not too much out of you know. Was a couple hours. Hike oh, or yeah, no, I mean it wouldn't have been it wouldn't I have mean, been it'd that be big. Just cool for teaching purposes. Well, too. right, you know, yeah. um, the spine. You know, I make a lot of construction paper models, but how awesome would it be actual bone? Because your your spine moves underneath your skin, and you've got mass distribution, muscle distribution that stacks alongside of your spine based on use, and so you are never looking at the spinal curve unless you're actually looking at the spine. You're looking at a whole body in front of you. So anyway, that was yeah, all the other the stuff news. that comes with it. That was in the news. Well, and did you get to read, I don't know, and we might have to, to go over this another time, um, about the high heels, the New York Times science weighs in on high heels article. I did. That was with the uh, flight attendants. 
Yes. And that kind of brings us to, you know, talking about all, you know, everything, the spine isn't just, you're not looking at the spine. If you're looking at all the muscles that are are going alongside of it. And that was kind of this um, New York times article came out about if, if you have seen the new Jurassic park movie, I think it's Jurassic world. Did you see it? Um, why would I see anything made in 2015 when I can watch all of the movies that came out in the 90s? Duh. I know. Or you could just like, I don't know, sit in a corner with your Game Boy or something. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> so it was great. You know, it was great. The dinosaurs were great. The story moved along in a nice clip. But I was incredibly distracted the entire time because the main one of the main characters ran around the entire time in high heels. And they even spoke to it. They're like, well, that's not a good thing to run around in. And she's like, oh, I'm fine. You know, and, and she's like running along in these high heels from a T-Rex. Yeah, but and it's, she, it's her a- ankle never twists. No, but it was very distracting. And even my, my 10-year-old daughter, who I think I've, you know, indoctrinated with, you know, you don't need to wear high heels. She just turned and looked at me and she was like, there's no way that woman could be doing that. But don't they call that the suspension of belief? I mean, I think what happens is I think suspension, suspension of, belief, of dis- disbelief. Oh, yeah. Suspension. <laughs> well, maybe you had to suspend your belief just to enjoy the movie for a little it bit. Could so, be. Well, you know, I correct people's um, stuff when I read it. So apparently I have a hard time with that. You're an editor. But like it, maybe like if, if you're if it's like dinosaurs, I bet you there's other things going on in that movie that other people are balking at. Probably a bunch of paleontologists were like, oh my gosh, that would never happen. That's oh yeah. Crazy, I've, you know? I've, I've read the Velociraptors are too big articles and all that geeky stuff See? too, but I love it. But the New York times did this thing because everybody was talking about the heels. Yes. I mean, just in all sorts of, of articles and little stories and bits and pieces. And, and so this was titled uh, science weighs in on high heels. So I got really excited. Cause science is, a, why science is a person. Yes. He's like, let me, and it's a he. He's like, he's sitting at home fa- looking at his photometer. He's like, I got to weigh in on this one. Yes. Wink, wink. Let me put always on. Getting these, always getting these phone calls asking me to talk about stuff. Weigh in. Yeah. Oh, That's funny. All right. So, so what did when, what did science weigh in and say? Well, I'm, I'm not sure it was entirely science. Uh, I was disappointed like many people were at this article because usually have higher expectations for this certain publication. But um, they basically, no, not basically, here's exactly what they did. Uh, they took these students. No, the New, York, were, the New York Times didn't take the students, though, right? No, no, no. This was Han, Hansio, I don't know how to say it, Hansio University in South Korea. They took these young women that were at the university that were studying to become airline attendants. And apparently you have to study a long time to do this there. And they were actually required to wear high heels to class since they would always have to wear them if they got hired by a Korean airline. So they started studying the freshmen, the incoming freshmen to the seniors, because each class would have an additional year of heel wearing behind them. And this is making it easy to track physiological changes. So there were just 10 women from each class that they invited to the lab, and they tested their balance with a wobbly board and the strength of their ankle muscles using computerized exercise machines. So in the beginning, I guess everything kind of adapted these muscles. And they said that the, uh, the freshmen, sophomores and juniors had greater strength in some of the muscles around their ankles. And then the seniors who had been wearing the high heels the longest showed weakening of those same muscles compared even with the freshmen who were new to the heels. So that this is, this is the study essentially was this 
the study with these four years of, um, and I don't know how long the study itself went on. It actually was not in the article, but I do. I have the article. I read the article. Okay. How long was the study? Would you like me to weigh in? Are, excuse me, are you science or Miss Science? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me, Katie, Bo- Katie, Katie Bowman weighs in. Like, now like that's an article I'll stand behind. Katie Bowman weighs in your heels. Just don't <laughs> run behind me in your heels. Um, so Apparently it can be done. <laughs> it can totally be done. And those velociraptors totally. are sized just fine. Um, <laughs> the study was actually submitted in a letter to the editor. The study was just a one-time measure. The study just brought in freshmen, sophomore, juniors, and seniors. So it didn't actually track them, a person going through the four years. It just looked in in general at how did freshmen who theoretically would now be wearing high heels more often because it was a requirement, like eight hours a day. And even though people wear heels, they may have may not worn them for a particular amount of time. Of course, they could have also worn heels before. That wasn't really controlled for. So you have people right. who come in who've been wearing the same type of shoes that they're going to have to be wearing on the, the airline. They wear them in school so that they're ready to go. So the freshmen tested at a certain level of balance and measuring different... I think they used all extrinsic muscles, which are muscles that have one attachment in the foot and one outside of the foot, like essentially the strength of your ankles, if you will, mm-hmm. and measured them individually to find different strengths and compare those numbers to sophomores who then theoretically will ha- would have been wearing those same shoes for two years and then did the same measures for juniors and then the same measures for seniors. Oh, so they didn't follow the women. No, mm. no. So they're just, they're just, they're looking at okay. when people come in, like the, the, I guess the summation of findings being when freshmen come in, they're wobbly and their muscles are a little bit weak, but when they're sophomores and juniors, they have adapted their, or, you know, the theory is that they've adapted their, they perform better in the shoes. These muscles are measuring better in terms of strength, but after four years, those adaptations are no longer apparent that they are back to being wobbly, or I shouldn't say back to being, because you didn't actually test the seniors at the beginning level. The theory being that after sustained long-term use of these shoes, the benefits of them are no longer apparent that your seniors, people who've been wearing them, you know, for long bouts of a workday and then standing around, right? So it's a little different perhaps than wearing them in your office because you're sit you're sitting down in your office quite a bit of the time. But as a flight mm-hmm. attendant, you're certainly up a lot more and you're walking a lot more in them. So walking in heels is different than just wearing them. Um, that by the time they got to be seniors or that these seniors who were measured, they might have had a particular anomaly to that group that left them all with weaker ankle muscles and a, and less balance than the freshmen coming in. I mean, they are older. They're four years older. Maybe. Maybe they're not. Maybe. I don't know. Is there a particular well, age? It didn't, it didn't have the age of them. Anyway, that all no. being said, this trend, though, follows kind of the what biologically is known about how muscle behaves because adaptations aren't long-term improvements. You know, you can, something can become shorter and and tighter to accommodate a new environment, but after a while, shorter and tired, tighter can lead to uh, uh, discompensation of tissue, you know, where you have different tissue breakdown because your body adjusted to make the damaging 
loads a little bit easier on your body, but eventually you, you know, it's called creep, right? Your, your tissue starts to fail. So that's what they were hypothesizing was happening in this particular group. Although what was the advice at the end of the New York times article? Well, the, the takeaway was they, none of the doctors that, you know, there was a biology professor and then this doctor suggested that women, you know, avoid heels. No. Um, they just said, uh, science doesn't want you yeah. to change your heels. Science I, likes I, the way I, those heels look on you ladies. <laughs> and then he dropped the mic and walked out of the room. That's right. Um, that's, that's science in his flat shoes. <laughs> yes. That's science. Uh, yeah. It's basically said, well, if you're wearing them at the office, or you're sitting, you know, maybe slip them off a little bit Yeah. or, you know, do some heel lifts. And right. as one of our colleagues, uh, noted, that's like saying, you know, you don't have to quit smoking. Just make sure you take some vitamin C. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, so I guess I was, maybe I was frustrated because maybe science, when he weighed in on this, he didn't tell me what I believe that I wanted to hear. Sure. Well, that's always, that's always a point. You know, like that could be yeah. it, but it's also, yeah. you know, it's New York Times, you know, you just kind of read it. It's not science. It's not New York Times. It's really this journalist's selection of questions like this kind of stuff bugs me a lot less now I'd say yeah well I was never I'm pretty much a relentlessly optimistic person so I read a headline I think oh okay and you (laughs) through your teaching you know and just the way that you have um I guess not maybe not intentionally taught me to think but I just think deeper I'm more of the the devil's advocate and I don't just take everything at face value and I'm getting better at it. I still kind of do, you know, like I see science weighs in on high heels and I just sit there with my chin in my hands and wait for science to tell me what it is I want to hear. But (laughs) I think it's with these headlines, it's always, and, and clearly articles, not just headlines. You, you just can't take it for what it is all the time. I mean, it does help to think in a broader sense and that's part of what I like about you. I'm pretty sure it's think more deeplier. Duh. Yes. Um, duh. Excellent. I'm here to we help. Need to, we need to take science out for a beer. I'm is here, what we need I'm to, here do. to help. That's good. You take science out and I'll take grammar girl out and we'll have some talks. Uh, okay. She might have something to say sure. about that. Um, so yeah, it was a very interesting couple of weeks in the news. Oh, I just, goodness. I, yeah. I thought I was going to have nothing to do. I was like, it's summer. Let's take a break. Here's 70 emails. What do you think? It's like, oh. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think, I think my day is full with talking about this stuff, but you know what? We didn't even get around to sk- the skinny jeans stuff. No. In fact, let's do that, uh, soon because that's also exciting. It was huge. There, and there's more than skinny jeans. There was skinny jeans and some other stuff that I've been stockpiling for you. Yeah. Our, our, send in your way. Our next show will be like all about clothes, like clothes and loads. Yeah. I like that. Clothes, clothes and loads. Katie Bowman is going to weigh in on clothes and loads with her photometer and, and my, her, <laughs> and her what? What was it? A flex, flex, flex curve? Flexi curve. Flexi curve. Flexi curve. Flexi curve with an eye. Ah, Flexi. So, Flex. So, science. So, 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 so. She blinded me with science. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to Miss 80s. We are at time. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with me, Danny. And uh, thanks you guys for listening. For more information, books, online classes, you can find me, Katie Bowman at katiesays.com. You can learn more about Danny Hemet, movement warrior and Barbie doll mangler at at moveyourbodybetter.com. Thanks a lot. All right. 
Take care. We hope you find the general information on biomechanics, movement, and alignment informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and shouldn't be used as such. 